Brooklyn's Radio. Well, you're listening to Brooklyn's Radio. I'm joined by Sarah and Claire from Princess Alice Hospice in Isha. So first of all, good afternoon, ladies. Good afternoon, Alex. Tell me, what you, what do you do? What, what, what's your roles in the hospice, Claire? Um, so, um, yeah, my name's Claire Woodward. I lead the community and events team. So we look after the fundraising for all the wonderful community out there, challenge events, individual events, cake sales, discos, bridge, bridge things, golf days, um, as well as things like the London Marathon, skydives, um, and the event we're going to talk about today. What about Sarah? I'm Sarah for Jimmy. I'm the bereavement leader at the hospice. So I manage all the um, hospice bereavement support. So that's our one-to-one uh, volunteering support and listening services, as well as our community support. So we do um, walk and talks and community events and cafes and really lots of opportunities to get people who are grieving together to support each other as well through their grief. Based in Isha, how many patients can it handle at any one time? Yes, yeah, so we, the actual hospice is in Isha, but we cover an area which is over 600 square miles. So there's around a, a million people in, our, in the population of our care area. And generally we look after around 800 patients at any one time. So most of those would actually be based in homes or care homes. Um, most people actually want to be cared for at home and we always try to Uh, care for people where they want to be cared for whether it be home or whether they would rather come into the hospice for um, a few days 800 people any one time yes around 800 people as we speak now will be being looked after by the hospice under our care well i think that would be a surprising number to many people that's that's astonishing and residential you can cope with how many so we have around 20 beds and they are generally um, generally occupied depending on um, circumstances. Obviously, COVID has played a little bit of a part in how many people have been admitted. But that's how many beds we have. But um, in general, the patient will only stay here for about 10 days. Often people come in just to receive some um, sort of uh, respite care, really, just maybe to, meant to monitor their medication, help them with pain relief, sickness relief. And often they then are sort of well enough to go home. Um, and a lot of people actually choose to die in their own homes rather than die here. But um, when people do come here, they're generally quite sad to leave to go home because um, they're so well looked after which is which is great to hear. I was taken by something on your website where you say on the website many people think the hospices are all about dying and you disagree it's about end of life care helping people to live every moment to the full in comfort and dignity how do you do that? I think one of the benefits we have at the hospice is the, is the ability to provide a bespoke service for people. So the, our doctors and nurses who are specialists in palliative care and in fact um, run courses all over the world with their expertise are able to just kind of look at the individual more individually. They can adjust things probably in a, in a quieter and smaller environment. Um, and we have things like even chefs that can cook special meals for people and look after them in that way. So And with our other services, like our social workers, our bereavement support people, there are people on hand to support the families as well. So sometimes you hear that the patients feel even more settled just because they know their families are being looked after as well. Is there anything you want to add to that, Sarah? Yeah, I think um, when they've been told that actually their life is going to end and it's quite imminent, uh, we sit down and we talk to people. And we say, actually, what's important to you at this point of your life? Let's think about how your life has been, uh, the relationships you've had, what meaning there is um, within that. And what things would you would you like to say 
to your family members before you die. And it's it's thinking about actually uh, how best to communicate uh, to the to your loved ones before death, which is really, really meaningful. And so it's um it's actually a really good opportunity when we know, you know, some people die very suddenly, when you know actually you're going to die, you have a bit of time sometimes to start to think about getting affairs in order and also thinking about the relationships you have and what may be meaningful um, to leave behind and to pass on. And we can do that in the hospice because of the care we provide. Sounds like wonderful, wonderful work. One of the things that's always, um, I suppose, irritated and annoyed me is that it's a charity. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so you need to raise all your own money for something to me that to me is fundamental in 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 society. Uh, how do you get absolutely. your money? Where is your money? Well, from? so um, it it cost ten point one million to run the hospice last year. Sorry, how and much? Generally, how much? Ten point one million. Goodness. Yeah, and um, of the the funding we receive from the NHS, so most years it's around sort of twenty five percent is all we get from statutory funding. So the other seventy five percent is raised through um, the fundraising teams here. So we get quite a good chunk of money from people who live gifts in will. That's quite an important part of our income stream. We have lots of other income streams. For example, we have a lottery that people can take part in. in any of their local hospice shops so you can go in we have the retail we have 45 shops that um, generate income from people recycling their clothes and pre-loved clothes we sell things online and we have um, other people um, donate directly um, people leave money in memory of people and then there is a team like mine that um, which I think is a really fun bit of fundraising where we put on events and people challenge themselves to do things because they maybe want to do it in memory of someone and they want to give something back to the hospice for the care they've received sometimes it's just because they enjoy doing something they want to do it for a charity um but yeah so a lot of our income um you know really fun part of our income comes from events in our community okay well let's just talk about talk the walk which is coming up on the 9th of april and it's a 10 mile walk with a particular focus on men okay so um I think it's important to say that men's grief is no less intense than women's grief. Um, and they go through the same grieving process. Uh, however, it's actually sometimes unseen, unspoken about or misinterpreted. I think there is still, uh, as much as society has changed in lots of ways, there is still this idea of strength in silence at times for men. Um, and, uh, I think it then can result in them not always receiving the care and compassion that they need. Um, after Why do you think that death. is? So um, men's grief can be harder to, to see in terms of sometimes they will appear more distant. Um, actually, they can become quite angry at times uh, and uh, disinterested and disconnect uh, from the world a little when they're grieving. Um, they then, in those times, may be really struggling actually to cope with all of the pain um, that they're experiencing because of the loss of someone that they loved. So uh, Talk the Walk is something that um, we was thought about by um, Claire and her team uh, because actually it acknowledges that men generally have fewer opportunities to express their grief. And when they have fewer ex opportunities to express their grief, it has an effect 
it sort of has a knock on effect on their ability to deal with their grief in a healthy way. Um, and when I say a healthy way, I mean putting words to your feelings at times or to say, you know, actually, um, I'm having a hard time. And if that's as far as you get to, then actually knowing that someone is alongside you through that uh, is, is really helpful. And, and so many people will have been through it as well. Um, we've lost, you know, with loss. Yeah. What are the implications of men not sharing their feelings? Um, there's a lot with men uh, when they don't share their feelings, there's actually more consequences for physical health. And that has been shown by research. Um, so it, it's really important how actually when we don't put words to things or to um, express things emotionally, our bodies often carry a lot of the pain we're experiencing. So they still experience pain. It may come out in disturbed sleep, um, aches and pains, uh, you know, heartache. When people, you know, when you actually say actually heartache is, is what you're feeling, your body, uh, if, if you have lost someone that you love, the physical impact afterwards can cause you to collapse in, in grief. And that is a part of the grieving process. So you have to be really careful, especially in the early months, um, about looking after your physical health and well-being as well. What is your wish for this event? Talk the walk. Well, my wish is we really want to appeal to men to come forward and take part. Often with sponsored events, it's quite a sort of female-dominated um, kind of way to fundraise. And so uh, this event, is we, I've kind of borrowed it from some other hospices down in the, the southwest of England where they found creating an event that was geared towards men, that meant men could come together shoulder to shoulder, have a great day out, challenge themselves, end up in a rugby game, have a pint and a burger, was a really good way of bringing men together. And because we are talking about grief, we're talking about bereavement, hopefully giving them prompts to share that experience with each other, as Sarah said, sort of whilst they're shoulder to shoulder. Um, so we've kind of tried to address it as men. I mean, women are very welcome too. Um, you know, we're there to support our men as well. But, um, you know, it's really important for us to show that this we want you there, men. We want to look after. We want you to bring, bring you together and make you feel comfortable talking about something that often men do seem to struggle to do. So the um, the event start is on the 9th of April, as you said. We're starting off Letitia Rugby Club, who've been very supportive of the hospice. From there, we're doing a 10-mile circular walk, which will take us um, past the hospice, up to Cobham. We'll pop into Cobham Rugby Club. We're then walking back down through uh, Whiteley Village, um, back to Hersham to Isha Rugby Club, where everyone taking part will have a pint or a soft drink, if they're not old enough, a burger, and then get to watch a great game of rugby. So the registration for an adult is £30 or £25 for someone under the age of 17. We, we're um, going it from 11 to 17, so we want to make sure that, you know, children are sort of old enough to cope with it. But um, anyone signing up with a group of four or more gets a £5 discount, so it makes it very worthwhile to um, get your friends together and sign up as a group. Um, and what we're asking people to do is try is to aim to raise £50 per head, which we think is very manageable, particularly with our support. Or if you feel that you don't want to ask for sponsorship, you can make a donation and we're asking for a very modest donation of a minimum of 35 pounds per participant so uh, there's lots of ways you can take part and, and sign up and uh, you know make a real difference to um, 
the people in our community that are receiving our care and their loved ones who are left behind to deal with it, which is, you know, one of the things Sarah and her team do so well. And, you know, from my perspective, I talk to people for fundraising and they say they do say so much. It wasn't just about the care their loved one got at the end of their life, but it's the way they were supported before, during and after the death of that loved one. So I think that's a really big amazing part that the hospice does offer people looking after those who are left behind so that's talk the walk a 10 mile charity walk raising funds for princess alice hospice in isher on the 9th of april full details can be found on the princess alice website and thank you to sarah and claire from princess alice for joining us here on brooklyn's radio i wish you well brooklyn's radio